The House of Roll journeys far and wide to bring you exceptional quality kitchen and bath fixtures. In all of this, you'll see the details of your own story. The story of a life well-crafted. Welcome to the House of Roll. Quinnipiac University's Great Hunger Museum. It's certainly the world's largest collection of art and sculpture uh, devoted to this particular topic. A chapter of human suffering not widely known and seldom taught. In Ireland in the 1840s and 50s, potato blight, multiple failed crops, British indifference, and insufficient relief led to mass starvation and the Irish diaspora. From the moment Quinnipiac VP of Public Affairs Lynn Bushnell escorted me through the museum, it was clear the building itself is part of the experience. When you first enter the museum, you, you come into a small gallery that has very low ceilings and that is intentional so that you have the sense that you are in the hull of a ship. And, and it's very dark and the lighting is dramatic in the lower gallery. When one walks upstairs into the upper gallery, it's much more spacious and the space is soaring. And I think that represents the uh, decks of the ship and the hope that people had as they embarked on those ships for other countries. A film provides historical context. Landlords now sought to evict tenants and to turn their land into open grazing for cattle, which were sold to feed the industrial cities of Britain. The potato crop did fail in 1845, and uh, however, there was plenty of food that was being raised in Ireland, um, other than potatoes, that was forced to be exported to Great Britain for their own use. And so um, we had uh, they had plenty of butter and fish and cows and everything that could have fed them, but because of the um, the requirements that all the food be exported to Britain, um, the Irish peasants and were were in basically were sharecroppers, and they had to rely on potatoes. And the average Irish man ate somewhere around eight pounds of potatoes a day, and that was how they sustained themselves. So when the famine, when year after year the potato crop failed, it resulted in massive hunger and massive emigration, and more than a million people died. One and a half million emigrated to the U.S., to Canada, to Australia. The museum strives to educate and draw parallels to modern-day struggles and suffering. Some of the accounts of what life was like there is just terrible and appalling uh, that a government could do this to another group of people. But we see that repeated uh, time after time throughout the decades, and of course we're watching it happen unfold today as well. We provide the context, and we like to think that we uh, do a pretty good job of drawing parallels to what is going on in the world today in terms of political oppression, uh, famine, hunger. Um, it, they're all important stories for us to tell. The Great Hunger Museum tells that story through art. We certainly have um, a fair amount of sculpture, and those are some of the most important pieces, I think, that we have. But we also have paintings from the 19th century by Yeats and, and other noteworthy artists that uh, we think also represent 
not just the famine itself, but the landscape of Ireland at the time. And I think they're pretty powerful pieces. We have a wonderful stained glass piece by Robert Bala, and we also have some very impressive bogwood pieces uh, that are carved from bogwood um, from Ireland. For me, the sculptures are the most moving because they do depict the uh, emaciated nature of, of what the Irish were enduring. Not all of the artwork is sympathetic to the plight of the Irish. Some is blatantly racist and indicative of the stereotypes of the time. Some of uh, the painters were British, and so they showed this you know, very happy, well-fed, um, group of Irish men and women with simian features and and certainly didn't really represent what was happening at the time on the ground. One of the nickel pieces also shows not just people with simian features, but um, people sitting around doing nothing, drinking, um, bottle, bottles of whiskey at their feet, uh, suggesting that the Irish were lazy and uh, not worth much. Quinnipiac's collection is in demand. Many of the pieces are on loan to museums in Ireland. Right now, we the collection is in Derry, where it is just finishing up. It's been in Ireland for the year. It was at Dublin Castle for many months, and then it went to the um, West Cork Art Gallery in Skibbereen, and now in finishing up its tour in Derry in the north. The father of the Great Hunger Museum is former Quinnipiac President John Leahy, a one-time Grand Marshal of the New York City St. Patrick's Day Parade. John actually carried the first piece back um, on his lap in the plane. It was a small sculpture called The Victim, and it's about eight inches tall and bronze. On his lap. Yeah, on his lap. Yep. <laughs> President Leahy recruited a benefactor, a university trustee not of Irish blood, he was Jewish, Murray Lender. Murray was one of the brothers involved in Lender's Bagels, and he heard the story um, of the Great Hunger from John multiple times. And so when John went to ask him for a gift for our library, he insisted on using that to develop a collection devoted to Ireland's Great Hunger. I think he saw some parallels. Um, his parents emigrated from Poland, I believe, and so he clearly saw the pain and suffering that is involved when someone leaves their own country, and I think that he saw that the same thing had happened with the Irish, and the story was not as well known. Murray Lender's generous support made the Great Hunger Museum possible. We could use another Murray, God love him. That's because the new university president plans to cut the museum's funding. We have been tasked with making the museum become self-sufficient in the next couple years, and that is an ambitious uh, project for us, but one that we're certainly confident that we can do. We've started a membership program, which has, um, has certainly increased the revenue immediately, and we look forward to inviting more members. We are also looking at a corporate sponsorship program, and um, of course, eventually, we would like to build the endowment to about eight to ten million dollars. Given the significance of the museum and the tremendous interest 
Perhaps support will come from both sides of the Atlantic. Many people are learning about it for the first time. Um, it was the worst disaster in 19th century Europe, bar none. And I think that that message is often lost on people. And people are quite emotional when they come in. Um, of course, it depends on the person, but many people who visit had parents, uh, had grandparents rather, who emigrated from Ireland, and they are so moved by the story. Uh, we often have visitors come, Jerry Adams being one of them, um, who came and actually was moved to tears by some of the art. So I think it's a very powerful story. In Hamden, Sean Adams, WCBS News Radio 880.